Throughout December, uh, I will be preaching around the theme of Cracking Christmas. Uh, full details are on the website, and they're also on, in the grapevine that uh, has come out today, so do take one as you leave. As ever, if you miss one of these uh, in the series, you can pick it up online or grab a CD at the back of the church and catch up in that way. So what's it all about? Well, last year or this year just gone, we've had all the hype of the launch of The Da Vinci Code, at least as a film. And when that was launched, we were reminded how easy it is for truth to get muddled up with tradition. And that's exactly what happens each Christmas. Truth gets muddled up with so many traditions that we can be in danger of missing the truth altogether. What are the traditions of Christmas? Or maybe I should ask, what are your traditions for Christmas? For many, it's turkey, tinsel and Terry Wogan. Or busyness, Brussels spouts and beer. Family, friends and falling out. In all the tradition, the truth can so easily get lost. Modern trends, too, push away that ancient truth. To be PC these days, we dumb down Jesus and find up and down the country school nativity scenes where Jesus is on stage next to all sorts of other mythical characters from nursery rhymes, children's TV, you name it. No one will bat an eyelid this year when the wheels on the bus with its wipers swishing and its mums chattering arrive at the stable to take a closer look at baby Jesus. And you may remember in Love Actually just a few years ago uh, when the Prime Minister's sister, played by Emma Thompson, is waiting with her children full of great expectation to discover what her children are in this year's school nativity. And the day comes and the children come rushing home from school. What is it? Shepherds, wise men, lobsters, they say, with no sense of contradiction or irony. And maybe it's no wonder that we hear stories like the story that I heard just a few days ago of a primary school teacher who simply cannot get her six-year-old to understand in her class that the baby in the manger is not Father Christmas. The truth is submerged beneath tradition and modern trends. And two years ago for me, Madden Two Swords summed it up admirably in their nativity display which featured David Beckham and Victoria Beckham as Mary and Joseph, actors Hugh Grant, Samuel L. Jackson, and comedian Graham Norton as the shepherds, and wait for it, Tony Blair, George Bush, and the Duke of Edinburgh as the three wise men. (laughs) And finally then, to cap it all, the singer up above, Kylie Minogue. What's more noteworthy in this regard is that the baby in this celebrity scene is a nobody. Nameless. Faceless has no character in the scene. It doesn't feature in any of the write-ups about the story that attracted, as you would imagine, a certain media attention. Jesus is completely incidental to the whole tableau. The Archbishop's advisor was asked what he thought, and one has some sympathy for him. He simply said, Oh, dearie, dearie me. Week by week here at BBC, we must push aside tradition, and we must push aside modern trends to let the truth come out, don't you think? Because it's the truth that changes people's lives. And what do we long for more than anything as a church, that through this Advent season, people's lives would be changed because they've seen for themselves the truth. One of the first disciples put it like this, we saw his glory and it changed us. 
We saw his glory and we've received one blessing after another. Pray with me that that will happen in our church this Advent season, will you? That people will see and in seeing they will be changed. That we will have a cracking Christmas because we've cracked it both in our understanding and in our hearts and then on out into our lives. I suspect most of us here this morning think that we've cracked it already. And in a sense we have, if I were to ask the audience in great Chris Tarrant fashion this morning, was the baby in the manger A, Father Christmas, B, Pudsey Bear, C, Jesus Christ, or D, Barbie's boyfriend Ken, most of us would have no trouble punching in C on our keypads for the correct answer. Probably only 100 pounds. We know that the baby is Jesus Christ. We know that he's God's son. We know as we sang when the girls were in the water, he came from heaven to earth to show the way, the earth to the cross, my debt to pay, from the cross to the sky, Lord, I lift your name. We know, we know. And whilst we may well know, understand in our heads, my question this morning is, do you know in your heart? Have you cracked it in your heart and then on out into your life? You see, if you only know it here in your head, then the shepherd's story would suggest to us that we haven't really cracked it at all. Turn with me, would you, in the Bibles that are in front of you in your pew, to page 1028. I want to look at one verse as we begin, Luke chapter 2 and verse 10. It's on page 1028 in the Bibles in front of you. This verse will let you know whether you've cracked Christmas. Are you ready for it? Luke 2, Luke 2, verse 10. The angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy. And if you've just turned to it, let's look at it again. Luke 2, verse 10. The angel said to them, Do not be afraid. Why? I bring you good news of great joy. If Christmas is not good news of great joy for you, then you haven't understood it. If Christmas is not the most exciting thing that you have ever heard, then we haven't grasped it. If Christmas is not the defining moment in the whole of the human story, then we haven't cracked it. Is Christmas good news for you? You see, here is news that should instantly go from your head to your heart. News so big that your head alone can simply not contain it. Have you ever heard news like that? When Ipswich scores a goal, can you remember that far back? When Ipswich scores a goal, the crowd do not say, very nice boys, thank you ever so much. That news goes into their heads and it is instantaneously into their hearts. Yeah! When your wife has been squeezing your hand for hour after hour, after all the pushing and shoving, and somebody says it's a girl, oh, fascinating, it's a girl. It's a girl, it's my girl, I've got a baby girl. News that cannot stay in your head if you've understood it, it's too big for your head, it must come and explode into your heart. Now when these angels turn up to these shepherds, they've got to announce news so big, so remarkable, 
and they're announcing it to the most unlikely of people. They're announcing that God has come to save us from our sins, to heal us from our uh, uh, wounds, to save us from our suffering, to meet us in our pain, to rescue us in our failing, to transform us into his likeness, to give us a life here on earth with, with uh, meaning and purpose before taking us back to his home in heaven to live in radiant beauty and glory forever. That's the news. Thank you. Whoever dared whisper a hallelujah in church of all places to let a hallelujah slip out should be ashamed of yourself. Or to put it another way, the news that they're coming to announce is that the Son of God has become the Son of Man. Why? So that the sons of men might become the sons of God. Hallelujah. Here was news so massive, so monumental, so marvellous, that if understood, it cannot possibly stay in your head. It has to. It can only explode in your heart and then out into your life once understood. Can you imagine these shepherds hearing this amazing news for the very first time and going, whatever. Imagine the angel going, a saviour is born for you. Do I look bothered? This was news that went into their heads but could not possibly stay in their heads, exploding into their hearts, out into their lives. They'd cracked it, they'd understood, and we know because of what they went on to do. How often do we as Christians say we understand it, but our hearts are going, whatever. How often do we say we've really understood, and yet the way we live is the epitome of the phrase, hey, do I look bothered? I want you to walk out this morning of this place with four things that were proof that the shepherds had got it, understood it, cracked it. Four things, four proofs that please God would be true of our lives this Advent season. Are you ready? Here we go. Firstly, the shepherds were in awe. If you've got it, you'll be awestruck. If you've understood, you'll be utterly gobsmacked or God-smacked more literally. Whilst these shepherds were overwhelmed by the angel's presence and the glory of the Lord shining around them, how much more in awe would they have been at the angel's words? A saviour has been born to you. See, these were shepherds. Shepherds were outcasts. Shepherds couldn't get proper jobs, so they looked after the sheep. They lived on the margins of society. Nobody had done anything for them. But now the God of heaven was sending his saviour into the world. And he was saying, it's for you. It's for you. How cool is that? If you've cracked it, you will know that Christmas really is that personal. But it's for you. You see, God sent his son to you and for you. For you in all your fears and failings. For you in all the things that today you're ashamed of. For you in all the things that worry you, the insecurities that plague your mind and your heart, your doubts and your worries. For you, looking like you've got it together this morning, but knowing inside so often you're falling apart. For you. For you, longing to be loved and valued and to know that you're somebody. Well, here it is. He came for you. A saviour born to you. Why? Because he loves you. He loves you with a love that's wider than the heavens and deeper than the ocean. 
What else could cause God to empty himself of the glory of heaven, to condescend to the frailty, the vulnerability of a human baby? Love for you. One of the most tragic things in life is that people go through sometimes the whole of their lives thinking that nobody loves them. Listen very carefully if that rings a bell with you. God in heaven loves you. You say, how do I know? Because he sent his son for you. That's how you know. And if you've never been overwhelmed with awe and wonder that the God of heaven loves you and would do that for you, hey, with the greatest respect, I think you haven't understood it yet. They were in awe. And because they were in awe, they took action. In these brief moments on that hillside, they knew it was true. And if it was true, they couldn't just sit there. They knew they had to do something. If this good news of great joy is true, we must do something, mustn't we? We can't carry on the same old way, can we? Now I know, I know there's so much to do. Who's stressed that they haven't written their Christmas cards yet? And it's even worse these days because you have to put in one of those letters, don't you? That makes it sound like your perfect family has had a perfect year without telling whopping great lies. There are presents to buy and there are homes to decorate. There are parties to go to and mince pies to bake, not to mention the carol singing and the music practicing and the school plays and the Christmas bazaar and the tree to put up and the children's parties and guest beds to make. And then just when you think you've got everything covered, the woman at number 17 knocks on your door and gives you a gift. Rads, I'll have to get her something now. Is it any wonder that 3.30 on the 25th of December, this nation is barely alive? I know there's a lot to do. But if Jesus really did leave the glory of heaven to come to a lonely stable, to hang on a horrible cross, then tell me, we can't just do the same old stuff, can we? That wasn't a rhetorical question. We cannot do the same old stuff, can we? What will you do for Christ this Christmas? I suggest that we have 22 days to do something urgently that perhaps we should have done a long time ago. 22 days to really express what this season, this moment is actually all about. Is this the Christmas? You will take some urgent action and reach out to somebody near you in the love of Christ. Is this the Christmas? You'll take some urgent action and get across that street to the man or woman that's lost their lifelong partner this last year. Is this the Christmas? We'll get across the office floor and, and, and get alongside the man who worked so hard he lost his wife and his kids and now he feels like he's lost everything. Is this the Christmas? We'll have time for the struggling mum at the school gate, the difficult relative in our family, the person who stands alone at your club or mine, the people that we exclude at work. Because it will be in those moments, it will be in those moments more than any moment this December that you will be celebrating Christmas. In that moment when you do that in the name of Jesus, won't it? A true act in honour of Jesus who came to bring love to the lost and hope for the hurting. I don't know what your work is like, but in my work we've been saying for ages, we'll do it in the new year. We'll do it in the new year. And for some of you as I was speaking, you've been thinking of someone or something that you know you should do that's on your heart and just the busyness keeps robbing you of doing what you know you should do. And you're saying to yourself, really Simon, I will get on and I'll do that in the new year. I beg you, don't wait till the new year, do it now. If you are like most human beings, if you put it off to the new year, it'll probably be 2008 before you're thinking about it again. 
So full of what Christmas was all about, these shepherds took urgent action. They hurried off. They couldn't wait any longer. Will you, as the truth of Christmas touches your heart again, do the urgent thing that you've been putting off for God? Do what you must do. And I've got to be honest. For the shepherds, it meant leaving some things behind. They left a few thousand sheep behind, probably. And for you, it might mean leaving a few things behind this year. Maybe a few things that you've always done in December won't get done. But maybe instead a life or two will get touched in the name of Jesus. Isn't that what it's really all about? Another rhetorical question. Two more quickly to finish. The shepherds advertised what they knew. When they'd seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed. It's good news for all people. So they told everybody about it. And all who heard were amazed. Is it still good news? Isn't God still in the business of saving people and healing people and restoring people and freeing people and changing people's lives? Aren't you the best advert God has got for his work in human beings? You need to advertise. Your story not only needs but must be told. And people will be amazed. And you're suddenly full of fear of rejection and ridicule. They won't be interested. People will laugh at me. I suspect these shepherds felt like that. You see, shepherds were, such, were so on the edge of society. They were considered as the outcasts. They weren't even allowed to give testimony in a court of law. They were considered that untrustworthy. Who would listen to the shepherds? But they told their story and all were amazed. People will be amazed to hear what you say. They're not looking for doctrines and great theological theses. They're looking for a life that has meaning and purpose and that works. People will be amazed by what you tell them concerning what you found. A few days ago, I heard this uh, true story of uh, the head of evangelism for a global evangelistic organization. And he gets on an airplane to go to a world evangelism conference. <clears throat> and you know when you sit in these uh, airplanes, there are three seats, he finds himself sitting in the middle. There's a little girl on his left, and there's a rather self-contained businessman on his right. And just as the uh, airplane starts to taxi off, and the air stewardess is giving it a bit of this, and, and a bit of this, and all of that stuff, uh, suddenly there's a pull on his jacket from the little girl. Psst! What? Psst! What? Do you swear? My mummy says that swearing's bad. No, I don't swear. I think your mummy's probably absolutely right. Swearing's an awful thing. Absolutely right. Psst! What? Tell him. What? Tell him. What? Excuse me, I really don't mind at all, but this little girl, this little, this little girl, she wants to know, do you swear? Sometimes, sometimes. Psst, what? Do you smoke? My mummy says it's really bad to smoke. No, I don't smoke. I think your mummy's absolutely right to say that it's really bad to smoke. Psst, what? Tell him. Tell him. I'm really sorry, a bit more irritated now. I'm really sorry, it's nothing to do with me, but this little girl, you know, this, this little girl, she wants to know, do you smoke? No, no. 
psst, what? Do you love Jesus? My mummy says it's the best thing ever to love Jesus. Well, as a matter of fact, I do love Jesus. And then he almost stopped as he thought what was likely to happen next. <laughs> and he says what seemed like hours, he just stood there looking straight, sitting there rather, looking straight forward down at his piece of paper. And then after what seemed three and a half hours, but it was only a nanosecond, little girl goes, psst, what? Tell him. What? Tell him? What? And you know how kids just look, don't they? Little girl just looked. And he said he could feel the cold sweat on the back of his head. And he felt totally ashamed. Here was he, the head of evangelism in a global evangelistic organization, on his way to a conference of world evangelism. And he was absolutely petrified about saying to the man next to him, do you love Jesus? Go on, tell him. Do you love Jesus? I, I don't mind, but this little girl, she really wants to know. You know? Do you love Jesus? Do you know what the man said? No but I've waited 20 years for someone to ask me. And before that aeroplane took off, he'd been led to Jesus Christ. Oh, I thought that deserved a round of applause. We're going to try that again, right? Just as if, oh, go on. All, why? All because of the tenacity, the boldness, the I-couldn't-care-lessness of a little girl. You've got to try it this Christmas. Your story needs to be told. We've got to get it out. Someone needs to hear what God's done for you this Christmas, don't they? Maybe you want to start praying about who you're going to invite to our Christmas services. There might be invitations at the back of the church. If there aren't, they'll be here next week, certainly. For you to take away and say, I'd love you to come. Make it easy for people, for goodness sake. Don't say, I'll meet you inside, third row back, because someone will be sitting in the pew and it will all be rather messy. Say, come to my house. Come with me. I know where I'm going. I know where we'll sit. We'll be together. I'll keep you safe. Going inside a rather weird and scary church. Help people come this Christmas. We've got to get the story out. We've got to get the story out. And then finally, and lastly, the shepherds were full of adoration. They returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen. This surely is the truest sign that we've understood, that we've cracked it. May we be full of praise and thanksgiving, full of admiration this Christmas. What a refreshing way to live these few weeks. Why not decide this Christmas to punctuate each day with little oases of adoration? Whenever you see lights, Christmas lights, make it a prompt in your heart that this Christmas you will thank God that the light has come into the world and you will pray that his light would shine even more in your darkness. Whenever you see a Christmas tree, Make it a pledge this Christmas that you will pause and even if just for a moment in your heart you will thank God that he came to die on a tree cut down and put into a cross. That's why he came. And as you just stop for that moment looking at that tree, love him for it, won't you? Just love him for it. And when you're on your hands and knees in your lounge and you're picking up those sharp pine needles off the carpet that have fallen off the tree, even though they promised you this was a tree that wouldn't drop any needles, remember as you pick those out of the carpet, the thorn that they made into crowns. Remember the nails that pierced his hands and his feet. And won't you just in those moments on your knees in your own front room, love him for how he's loved you. Whenever you see a gift, buy a gift, wrap a gift, receive a gift, just stop for a moment to love him for being the greatest gift ever, wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger.
I hope this year you have a cracking Christmas in every sense.